Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Die Living Podcast brought to you by Softleet. Uh, also sponsored by Combat Flip Flops, Loophole Optics, Freedom Munitions, and CrossFit Suisponte of Durham and Raleigh, North Carolina. This week, we have Derek Harbour back with us, who <coughs> is uh, always a welcome guest on the show. I think we're going to be probably featuring him more frequently as, as we move forward here. And he comes to visit the office on a regular basis, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, Brooke and Brian are also with us from Softlead HQ today. And I think today we're going to be talking about meal prep. Meal prep and uh, diet choices. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right, if that's the right terminology. But... Uh, yeah, meal prep, diet plans, diet choices, all the fun stuff. So with that, let's kick it off. Um, Derek, I don't know if you <coughs> if you want to get started. I know you have some pretty strong thoughts about meal prep, and you've been meal prepping for like a pretty long time. So um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about kind of your system of what you do to, to make your life easy. Yeah, but. that's uh, that's that's. I mean, this is like at some point it just becomes a lifestyle. And like for the record, like all of my stuff is just bro science. Like this is just trial and error, mostly error, and then it works out. And like that's kind of what I think each person needs to do with their fitness is not necessarily try everything for two weeks, but try a few things and commit to it and see how it affects them. And then if that's how they like move forward. So anyway, with meal prep, what works for me is I usually take a balanced approach. And, uh, you know, I'll put my, you, you got to find your macros and there's a whole, uh, there's a whole science behind that with, you know, what percentage of protein, fats, carbs, calculating, you know, um, calories and, you know, one, four, one, nine type stuff. And that's, that's usually what overwhelms people. It's a lot of calculators now, so that's a good place to start. But like meal prep is just laying out basically what you enjoy eating. Well, yeah. So and there's then managing two, it. There's two parts of this, right? I mean, there's the choosing the recipes. But then also cooking the food, maybe three parts, cooking the food and then actually putting it into, you know, variety of containers where you're storing it, et cetera. Um, I know some people, I know people that cook on one Sunday once a month and aside from the weekends, that is all of their food for weekdays for the entire month. And their thinking is, hey, we get in the kitchen for four or five hours. I mean, they also eat a lot of the same stuff. Yep. But, you know, we cook giant batches of food. We lay out all of our, you know, Tupperware or whatever they're using. And that one day, they restock the freezer and then no more cooking lunches for the rest of the, the rest of the month. I think for me, that would be like a little too much. I'm actually not even sure I have a five hour block of time at any point in time in the weekend, but I mean, once you get good at it, you can get your meal prep done. Like, I can do a week's worth of food, and, like, you're going to inherently eat the same things just because that's what your prep is. You find things like, I enjoy beef and rice, so I'll work that in. When I get tired of it, I'll rotate it out for an equivalent, which is usually, like, a turkey and rice with 
oil and that's how you make up your macro differences in the change so once you get good at it it's it's really a lifestyle and effort like anything else like you're really good at, you're you're a butcher like you could point to any part of a cow and that's just what you know and that's what people have to do with their diet if they want to get comfortable doing this because like you know brooks a professional she can tell you an egg has 75 calories you know what i mean like that's but it's, she didn't learn that in a book and i didn't I, I didn't learn that from you know you just that's inherently knowledge that you pick up along the way just doing this every day or every week i prep on sundays i cook all of my all of my like carry meals so anything that's uh like if i i usually do about five meals a day and i break it down and i'm eating anywhere when i'm maintaining i'm usually between 2500 and 3200 calories mm -hmm. when i'm cutting i'm down to 22 to 2400 and when i'm bulking i'm i'm up around like five or six and that's just based on the time of the year and then the diet like what time of the year is depends on the diet like right now i can't lift weights because of my shoulder um, I'm not going to make any gains, so I'm on keto right now. I hate keto personally because I don't think it's a, a it's not a healthy and long-term sustainable diet. I do it for four to six weeks, and then I just get in there, and that's where I have a high-fat content, low to moderate protein, and no carbs. And all it does is it just requires my body to use the fat stores on itself because I have a low workout output. Like I'm not lifting intently right, with intensity right now, and that's mm -hmm. the, 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 the missing the carbs and that energy doesn't impact my my life right now because I have nothing going on. So this is really the only way I can like make progress. Now, once I can eat carbs and lift heavy again, like I'll add 300 grams of carbs and 250, right. 300 grams of protein. And it's just, that's like, that's, that's like learning it. And that's what people feel like they have to be at when they initially start. Just understand the difference between a protein, a carb and a, f and a fat, and then start there. And it All just right. kind of folds so, together. Yeah, yeah, let's start there. Brooke, you want to go into that? And also, I know you have strong opinions about the keto diet. I so really do. I Can I you guys see about me like, well. about like <laughs> twitching? My, yeah. the, the eye twitch? <laughs> Although I have to say, your comment made me really happy. So good job on keto. Yeah. Um, and I'll, we definitely need to get into that. But um, the, you're so right. It's all about the practice. Because when I went to school, I learned the biochemistry and the science. I didn't learn how to like make that look pretty in a Tupperware. Um, and so it will be can be overwhelming at first and take you a long time but now like maybe two three hours you spend probably that's what i spend usually yeah, like if it's, i'm doing a shopping, big meal prep cooking and i'm cooking 35 to 42 meals uh you know for that week so like and it takes me two three hours yeah but i think it's worth it because then when i get home after work i, I don't save have so to cook. much time during the yeah. week like it's yeah. all there and like i i don't fall victim to cravings it's there when i'm hungry and like it's it's it, like you don't have to think about it. You just grab it and go. Yeah, it's perfect. So that's why I think that meal prep for me, I think, is a good lifestyle. But something that I think is also important to point out is because you meal prep and because you plan ahead doesn't mean that you're on some like restrictive diet for your entire life. It's more of a lifestyle choice we make to manage our time and make sure we have healthy foods available. And we're not grabbing crap food. Um, and that's when I think people can feel like, oh, this is like a lot of work. And it's like, not if you think about it in the sense of you're fueling your body with these three macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat, who, which all have a purpose, a very important purpose if you're active. So it's more of just a way to manage your lifestyle, not necessarily diet. I hate that word. No, and that's and people why always do you, ask Why do you hate that word so much? Because I think diet implies it's something restrictive um, and unfulfilling. Because like when I think diet, I think of like well, the Slim Fast diet and like Adkins and all these things that 
um, these people choose to do to restrict to lose weight when in reality if you just made the correct food choices and managed your calories and macronutrients Measure you could your have food. like yeah oh my god just break just, out some measuring cups and you'll be shocked even ballpark <laughs> it like with a with a scale like i get within 0.2 0.3 so it's never exact but like if you just took a normal portion and put it on a plate and then you and then you weighed it and then you like cut it down to what it was supposed to be You'd like just be pissed you did that because you'd immediately just realize how much extra food you're eating when you don't need it. Right. And like, which to go back to the word diet, I don't like the word diet. Like, I think like growing up, like, you know, being the fat kid and like going through everything and all the different phases, like the diet gets you in that, 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 I don't know, that, that, the, the matrix of like trying something new and if it doesn't work or you're seeing all these people have great success and it's not happening, like, it, like that, that that that's too dedicated that's it, it's a meal plan find a meal plan that works that fits your life and i think that's what and then like if you need to lose weight then you just you know you you work your calories or your fat your protein and carbs however your approach is and you do it through that but it's, it don't 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 say on monday i'm starting a diet because you're going to fail like it just inherently like 99.9 people percent of people fail because they feel like the minute they don't follow exactly what's written down it's over and it's and they they screwed it all up and really like i i eat pizza ice cream french fries and hamburgers every single week like and and, and that's when i'm losing weight and that just gives me a break from being stuck in the same regimen i think people misunderstand diet and that so we're on the yeah, same page you just have to work it into your lifestyle right. and your meal plan because i'm the same way i love pizza <laughs> Love ice cream. Extra cheese, extra pepper. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't have it every day, and you can't no. have way too much. That's mm -hmm. just how it works. Yeah, and it's not like it's not difficult. Like people don't eat this stuff every day. It's just the minute they tell themselves, "I can't eat that anymore," they immediately want it. Well, nothing's difficult when you know how to do it, right? So I think that it's difficult when you don't know where to start, or you know, or what the starting. I mean, starting I don't know. There's enough be. knowledge out there and you can Google. And I think people are just lazy at this point. You know how many messages I get on Instagram? Hey bro, what diet are you on? Or what's your meal planner? Or like, what's your workout? It's like Google dude. It's the same. <laughs> it's there. Like I post it or you can just, I, I, and I, and nothing special. I do four to, I do three to four sets of, you know, 10 to 12 reps at heavy weight and I increase. And then when I'm lifting heavy, I do five by five or I do reverse pyramids. Like the exact same shit as everybody else. Just, it's just the intensity level is different. The dedication is different. The small things are different. Like I'm measuring my food and you're just eating chicken and rice. I'm measuring my chicken and rice. Like it's all those small differences that make the difference between like being able to do this well piss poor and professionally and there's just different expectations for each and it's based on your sport like you can't eat like a bodybuilder and expect to compete like a strong man it just doesn't make sense so you want six pack or do you want a 500 pound bench press or like like my ego is tied to my strength and i had to get over that with injuries so now i'm trying to tie it to my physique and it sucks because i just don't i'll take a gut for thick wrist and traps i don't give a shit but like it's it's all in how you approach fitness and what's important to you and people can't you're not making anything up. Like science is gonna win at some point. Like you can only bro it up, and then you gotta like start all the way over. Well, yeah. People are always looking for a magic bullet, and they're disappointed to hear that the magic bullet is discipline, like and hard work yes. and effort. Yeah, like. and like, and people, and you talk to a lot of people. It's like, well, it's just really hard to get the motivation. And it's like, it's not about motivation. Like motivation is temporary. Discipline's permanent. Mm -hmm. You know, when you like 
when you fit, dig down deep and you find that thing. The best is when people are like, well, you were in the army. You're totally good at that. It's like, yeah. I was a shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, I, I, I must have missed the nutrition classes yeah, like that's, in the military. Let's, let's just get something straight. Like, just because it appears simple in, like, Brooke's life or my life or somebody else's life, like, that's years and years and years of effort. Like, we just, you just didn't develop this overnight and one day decide. I've met one athlete that said, I decided to be a pro bodybuilder, so I did. It took him three years but he did it, and that's the only guy I've ever been able to. And that's Seth Forcier. He just said, "I'm going to be a pro bodybuilder," and like did it. Yeah. No, I had a sergeant major uh, at, at fifth group that was like this huge, jacked up guy. He was in very good shape. He could still run and and ruck and all that sort of stuff. But from a vanity standpoint, like he just looked like this, you know, cover of Men's Fitness kind of thing all the time. And I was riding the car with him with a guy that had just showed up to the unit. The guy's like, "Hey, sergeant major, like you got to give me your." your workout plan, like whatever you're doing, man, it's working super well. And Sergeant Major's like, hey man, like starting from where you're at right now, if you do exactly what I'm doing, which is like the super easiest workout ever, it's gonna be about three years before you get to this point. Like it's not an overnight thing. Yep. So it doesn't matter what I tell you because I can't create the discipline for you to spend three years to make that happen yep. for yourself. So it's like, if that's something you want, like we can talk about that. And I feel like if you come back six months later and you've been like on Google, like looking for those workouts, doing the workouts and you've been compliant with your nutrition and your fitness, then we'll have a fucking discussion about it. Mm -hmm. But right now you haven't proven to me that you're even, you should even walk through your the front door. Your first step to getting fit was asking somebody how to do it. Yeah, exactly. That should be your, that should Soft, be your Softlete actually offers you that information. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so you don't even have to Google it. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake people make when they see someone and they're like, I want to be like this is then they get really overwhelmed because they try to change everything. And you yep. can't go from like the couch to all of a sudden acting like you're an elite athlete. And instead, it should be smaller changes with your diet and your fitness. If you're ever going to be able to just you're going to get burnt out like I maybe a week like if I tried to live this life and pretend that I was like a female strong woman and acted like did all this stuff I would last maybe a week and be like burnt out so I think that you just have to be really mindful of how you approach it too well look how many people that you see that like just totally rearrange the pieces right like the first thing they do is try to get the look you know they'll like buy the right t-shirts or buy the right like whatever weightlifting gear you know and then Right. All right. Cool, man. You look the part. Now you can actually go to the gym and like make it happen. That to me is like the definition of a poser, right? You know, it's like someone that's like, yeah. that's their first step is to try to like, cause you, cause, cause you know, they're going to fail because the goal of what they're doing isn't what's important to them. It's, no, it's fitting the, into it's that lifestyle or it's right? the appearance of the it. Image. You know, I find sometimes honestly in the fitness industry is like, uh, it's different and it's a little off topic, but like I, they create their own niches and then people come to them. Like each brand just creates an image and whoever wants to fit. There's so many different ones. Like, uh, that's like normal almost now. Like I didn't realize I fit into a brand until I realized I was rocking Sofalite stuff with like workout clothes and a hat and a beanie and like yeah. totally broed out. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think it also happens by accident when people get into it. And then I just at this point, I just embrace the bros. Like I, I well, there's a reason. So tattoos. there's a purpose behind a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah. Comfort and like sure. you know these kind of shorts. Like I can do deep squats in, and they sure. don't like rip out the crotch and stuff. But people don't like. That's Those not what the thought process yeah. is in buying it. And that's the, that's a sort of like hard won information yeah. and that trial and error stuff that like, oh, I've, I've now in this mold because I've like made all the errors and now I'm doing the correct things, whether it's like, and I was, uh, I think it's a like stoic philosophy thing, but you get a lot of 
I always, anytime someone comes up to me and wants to talk a lot about what they want to do in the future, I immediately assume that it's never going to happen. And the reason is, is like you have like this serotonin uptake of just talking about like your imagination, talking about the future of what you could be. Like you're imagining in your mind, like I'm going to get on this super awesome diet and I'm going to meal prep and I'm going to hit the gym super hard and use a softly programming and like hit juggernaut and I'm going to get super strong and look super good at the beach. And you talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and like 85% or 90% of like the serotonin uptake that you're going to get from actually accomplishing it. You get it just from like imagining yourself doing it. And the people that are sitting there talking, they get so much pleasure out of the planning that the execution isn't worth it. Like from a personal motivational standpoint, you know, so it's like, hey, man, shut the fuck up. Like, stop talking about it. Stop giving yourself these treats right now, like imagining it like go do the work and then you know, and like make it real. But like you, you, I'm sure everybody has met that those people. It's like talk, 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 talk. And then every time you see them, like two months later, it's like, hey, man, you want to talk about that thing again? It's like, absolutely not. Like you haven't you've had two months to like put in work. You haven't done that. You haven't shown me that there's like, you know, a path that you're taking. So sure. Well, <clears throat> um, I want to circle back to the... the <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds like my personal right. life more than my professional life. Yeah, <laughs> I want to circle back to the keto diet uh, in yeah, here. Yeah, I'm curious I want to too. hear Brooke's thoughts on, on keto. I, it, for Stop two reasons. talking about... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, there's two reasons that I want to hear this. One is the fact that Derek brought it up. Two, I, I'm on it and having good success with it, by the way. Well, no, that's cool. You are looking awful live. You're looking very <laughs> sexy. And, and I got a new haircut. I've embraced like, the, the receding hairline, which has been my ongoing struggle the last year. The beard is looking very Hollywood. It looks well, all it was, place. to be honest, my barber hooked me up. With the trim, I was like, look, I'm balding, but I want to rock the beard. She's like, I got you, fam. <laughs> Your money spins. Yeah. I'm, I'm like four steps ahead of you there. I was, I was lied to for years. For years, I was lied to about my hair thinning by like, all the people around me. It's, I feel like my hair's going thin. No, man, it's cool. It's not that thin. My wife, everyone else, you know, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. And one day, we were Skyping with a friend of ours overseas, and my little kids got on the floor. I got on the floor with them, and I got the fucking top-down camera view. With the glare? I was like, you fucking assholes, man. <laughs> Three years, everyone's been fucking lying to me, and now I see the top-down shit. I know I've been sitting in a fucking chair when people have walked by. No, all those you know? all those hairs in the shower drain are just everybody gets yeah, those. Right? And like I was the guy that talked shit about how awesome my hair was until like one day when I was like 32, I woke up and I was like, God damn! I was looking at a throwback picture or something. I was like. It used to be that far forward. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah that, that's right. it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, uh, that, as a balding man, like with the struggle that was rocking a frohawk until he was coming, 33. Man. I just got uh, too much testosterone. No guard clippers is coming. So I, you think I got so? off that like, floor. But look how close. I, like, I'm in that in between. Right? I think it could go either way. You're pr you're looking good right now, man. Am I? Okay. Got, like, I don't got, want anybody to lie yeah. to me. I'm no, not going to look enough for lies. You still got enough thickness. That yeah. I don't, I don't see shade. the back, so I don't pretend. But your widow's peak is turning into a widow's mountain. It's. I mean, it's getting like, right? Like, this is almost 35, though. Like, I'll be 35 this year. V. I'm like, from the peninsula. <laughs> like, chest uh, hair is coming back, thank God. Right. All right. <laughs> keto. Keto. <laughs> I wanted to talk about keto for two, well, I guess three reasons now. One is the fact that you're on it. Yep. Two is the fact that I know Brooke has strong opinions. She hates it. And three is the <laughs> fact that I feel like 
It's one of the easiest places for people that are trying to make that radical change. I actually disagree with the last one too. So you don't think that I, I think, think low carb is an easy transition. I think keto is hard. Uh, I don't know, man. There's all the companies that are selling the MCT oil and the whole bulletproof coffee thing. I have no thing. doubt that people can get their fat astronomically high in their diet, but I, I do doubt that most people know they have to keep their protein intake under 30, 35 percent. Right, avoid so maybe carbs misgu- 5%. misguided. So they're, keto, they're, right? they're actually doing a low carb with yeah. really, really high fat. And like little to no protein with no carbs. And that's actually where I think people screwed up and why professionals hate the keto diet. All so right. Much. So, Brooke, tell us about the keto diet. All right. Well, I want to start by saying the keto diet was originally designed to help with um, seizure control. And it does a really good job, especially in like, kids with epilepsy. So that's kind of where this idea of extreme carbohydrate restriction and putting your body into ketosis came from. Now they're researching it for cancer and controlling tumor growth. Looks promising. Um, that's exciting. But somewhere along the line, people figured out this keto diet also helps you lose weight. And it became this fad for everyone to start doing it. And now they make products for it. Um, that drives me nuts. Like a paleo granola bar. The whole point of paleo is to eat whole foods, not a freaking packaged granola bar. Um, so that's why I hate fad diets because this diet is useful for certain things. Um, but if you do keto wrong, it's not good for you because to do keto correctly, like you're saying, it's adequate protein, not high protein, because protein will bump you out of ketosis. It actually turns into carbohydrates if yeah. you don't. Your body will convert car- your protein into usable sugar or carbohydrates that you're because your body <clears throat> needs 90 milligrams or grams of sugar, a day, glucose a day. So I need to stop eating 40 rashers of bacon a day, is what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, no, because... I there's mean, not a lot of protein in bacon, so you might Yeah, there's fine. not a lot of protein in bacon. It's like two grams of protein, three grams. You'd be surprised at how low it is in bacon. Wow. Bacon's I love really bacon a fat. And, I love bacon meat. and eggs. That explains my physique. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, I, but I... I just think that, um, and people don't get that when you're bumping in and out of ketosis, it is bad for your body. So if you want to do it correctly, you should stay in ketosis or just do a low carb diet. Um, and there, there's interesting research on those, but, but the overwhelming majority of evidence shows us that whether or not you restrict carbs or fat, whatever you choose, you're going to end up losing the same amount of weight at that one year mark. With keto and low carb, you're gonna lose it faster. So you're saying it's basically about calories, not yes, about the macros. Exactly. Right? Like flexible dieters, overall, in my opinion, have the best approach. Yep. Because they're they're looking at their overall intake and they're eating healthy food choices and they have the occasional cheat. Like that's the most reasonable diet. The problem is people don't have enough self control for but that. Did you say keto is gonna lose it faster? Keto and low carb lose fast because initially. carbs hold water. So initially you're gonna see this like drop in weight. And you're gonna be like, oh my god, like it's all correct, like it's right. But you're losing a lot of water weight. Yeah. So that's why it it'll slow down eventually when you do the restricted carbs and even out. So that at that one year mark, the research shows us you're gonna lose the exact same amount of weight. So so in my mind, why be miserable if I love carbohydrates, I need them to fuel my workouts and all these other things. There's benefits to carbohydrates, mm-hmm. you know, as including building muscle mass. It's not just protein. Right. So I just get really, really frustrated when everyone thinks like keto is the answer because it doesn't have to be. It's really whatever is going to be better for your lifestyle. Yeah, this is a totally unrelated kind of, well, not really, but I went to go pick up dog food the other day and my wife, who is a vet, was like, make sure you don't get the grain-free dog food. 
it's basically this marketing ploy off of like the whole keto and low carb thing that you think that's healthy for you. And so therefore your, your dog needs it. And she's like, all this research is coming out in these veterinary journals about how cancer rates are like skyrocketing in dogs that are fed grain free food. That's crazy. <clears throat> I do wheat free for, cause I have a white pity and they say sensitive skin issues with them. So she doesn't do wheat, sure. but there's rice in it. Yeah. So I hope, I guess that's okay. The, I don't we pay enough attention to my dog food. We have a white pickle too. <laughs> I have a, Derek's an old Roy man, an old Roy guy. <laughs> I feel like the, the 90 like, pound I have a white sack. pit as well. Yeah. And he eats chicken and rice. I have a vegan time. cat. That's <laughs> I know he's an obligate predator, but he seems to enjoy the broccoli. So, so some of the points that Brooke brought in about keto that, like, I mean, I agree. Like, keto is my not my favorite diet. I don't recommend it to anybody that's not in a unique situation where, like, I can't lift weight, so I'm not worried about master building muscle. So, like, my full intent is just to get what's, into ketosis. What's the maximum length of time that you're going to I stay? don't go over, like, eight weeks. And to be honest, I do a carb refeed every 14 days anyway. So I'm not really, I'm, like, in ketosis for, you know, 10, 10 days or whatever. But then I come out of it refeed, and then it takes me three or four more days to get back into it, and I do it for 10 days. Because I don't like the long-term impact of lack of carbs on your kidneys, your liver. Like, Does it work to switch in and out? I feel like I've so, heard that it like, takes three weeks to like. Really no, get into it. No, I mean, look, it's all, like to be honest, go get piss strips and piss on them, and mm -hmm. you'll know. And you can get into ketosis in a few days if you're doing it properly. If you want to ride the fat-burning wave, you want to ride it for at least two weeks or longer, which, yeah, sure, my first time I went three weeks without doing a refeed, but it's because I didn't feel like I needed it. Like, the biggest thing, too, that like I think athletes do, professional athletes or high-level athletes do better than the average person or whatever you want to categorize is like we pay attention to what our body says like when something hurts we don't ignore it like we fix it right. if like we're hungry we eat we don't ignore it because we're on a diet like if I get hungry in the day I will eat now I may adjust or I may portion out a meal or I may take a I may I may eat a banana and drink 10 ounces of water or but like it's the, it, like it, my body dictates what I do like I, if, if I'm only bench pressing 300 pounds that day and it says I have to do 400 pounds on the paper like fuck the paper. <laughs> because like that's the difference. It's like I know I'll make it up. Brooke says we're playing the long game and the year-long approach. I know that the keto will keep me from gaining weight. I don't care about muscle. It'll protect muscle mass with the limited protein I'm getting. And 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 I know that like if I need to, I can refeed and come out of it. And like I'm not I'm not selling out to a diet for as long as possible. Can I just say how much I love the term refeed? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just like makes me happy. Well, I don't know. It like conjures up interesting second, middle second images. Break, yeah. Second breakfast. But when you refeed carbs, like what? What do you eat? Like what is? I just switch my percentages. I just up my carbs to like sixty percent of my. So diet it's not like every protein. fourteen days in your calendar you have like pizza no, in no. big letters. No, like so like, and that's the thing is like I like I I, I go th I, I like sometimes you'll get into a groove like not necessarily in a keto diet but when I'm like in a in like prepping for a strongman competition I'll get into a groove with my food and stuff where I'm making really good gains and I don't even think about cheat days because I'm just. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on cruise control and it's really not worth changing and it really does like I'll get six or seven weeks into a prep and if I have the wrong kind of cheat meal and I say cheat or, or refeed really it's just me giving my body the calories the nutrients and the opportunity to just soak it up and really mental break for me because I don't care physically like 
I've I've eaten less in shittier places. I don't care. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like at the same time, like if I had the choice, I'd rather be crushing a Jets pizza on top of that mountain in sure. that OP. But I don't have that choice. So that's the way I look at it as a civilian now. Like I'm just giving myself an opportunity to take a mental break, and I'm never gonna do it like the day before a comp because of stress. Yeah. So it's like all planned and prepped, and like yeah, sometimes my, when I first start, I get excited about cheat days, but. If I need to have it on a Thursday instead of a Saturday, or if I need to break it into two days, maybe do a Halo or an Enlightened ice cream on like Tuesday because I'm not going to make it to Saturday because it's been a long, shitty week where my workouts are harder, where I walked more than anticipated. Like, I'm really just paying attention to my body. Yeah. And we did a full circle there again. For I me, like- for me mentally, cheat days are really difficult because, like, yeah. a lot of people, and myself included, you know, I, I take the word cheat literally. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, okay, every seven days is good to, like, kind of like, basically go binge balls, balls to the wall yeah. binge eat. and that is the creep on that mm-hmm. is so difficult yep. so you know my uh, brother-in-law makes like amazing hand-tossed pizza we actually like i made t-shirts this past christmas with like his like restaurant logo that i came up with because it's like a, a a thing that uh has just become a family uh tradition to go over to his house and he makes all these pizzas and it's super awesome and i was i wouldn't say i was keto but i was definitely doing very low carbohydrate diet for a while and you know it's like well he did he did his hand tossed pizza like two times in a week and I'm like oh well <laughs> one of those is my cheat days but I can't turn it down the second time and then like the next thing you know you're like yeah, it's a slip, you know? You know, the slippery slope is just something you have to be disciplined about and like yeah. there comes a point where you're on that slope and I'll sometimes hit that, like, after a comp, I'll, and I know I'm going to another comp, I'll hit a slope for two weeks, but then there comes a point where, like, you just kind of, like, in my, like, as I eat so little of that, that yeah. after, like, three or four times, I'm like... Yeah, it's yuck. I feel like shit. It throws yeah. my body. It's like yeah. drinking. I don't drink because no, my sure. hangover. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're eating a bunch of garbage, and if, if you're eating super clean for, like, a couple of months, and then you eat that... that Domino's you pizza feel water, you feel like you shit. Feel it feels like a the brick. blood pump through your veins yeah. for a few minutes. And <laughs> that's why I really like that term refeed that you use because it's not cheating. It's like you're keeping it as a part of the plan. Right. You know, that's a part of the science that you're doing. It's not like, oh, and on Saturdays I could cheat. It's like, no, no, no. I'm controlling my carbohydrate intake for purpose for this day. So it's not my cheat day, it's my refeed day. And I like that. Yeah, it's also one of the things that, well, touching on what Brooke mentioned before, I really despise the whole like paleo ice cream, you know, like paleo cookies, (laughs) um, fucking veggie burgers. I mean, just eat the real fucking food, man. That's what caveman (laughs) ate. They eat fucking ve- veggie burgers. They and eat shit. paleo cookies. Yeah, well, yeah. Neanderthals were actually it, just they, carnivores. They used, for the record, they, right. there was no omnivorous going on in that. Just clip. a constant like Tyrannosaurus yeah, Rex just, on a spit. I just imagine <laughs> yeah, style. That's right. I just imagine Neanderthals were like five times stronger than humans, and like in my world, that's a twenty-five hundred pound bench press. That's a legit no, ass dude. Gorilla style. I, I think that it's <laughs> that like that mental recategorization of, hey, I really want a cookie, or like, I really want pizza, but I'm not allowed to have pizza, yeah. so I'm going to have this other thing that like looks like pizza and is going to tempt me to have pizza, yeah. is never going to be as like rewarding or fulfilling to kind of satiate that that desire you want. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know... 
Well, he's saying he's saying like, why would you eat? I mean, like, why would you eat the fake version? No, like, just eat I the real version. I, but no, and I get it. And I think there comes a point in my life where I've eliminated things. Like, I I used to love. I used to eat Ben and Jerry's every week as my as part of my refeed mm-hmm. because I loved Americone. You know what I mean? Hell and I yeah. would eat it every week. And then eventually I tried so you're, Halo. You're a true patriot, man. But then I tried Halo, and there's a few flavors that. I mean, are, they're not. It's not as good, but it's good enough to like kill the craving, give me what I want, and I don't have to eat twelve hundred calories. I can eat three hundred. Yeah, yeah. But see, so in my so lifestyone, that makes sense. I'm not eating this is the total, real thing. This is totally different, though. Okay, because so I'm feel, subs. Okay, he's talking in about like yeah, he's talking, talking about like about, almond flour pancakes no, for pre-frozen okay. and the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that it's makes paleo. sense. Okay, I'm my, my bad then. It's all good. I, it's <laughs> it's not a digital thing. A one is zero. You have to pull out of a sliding scale. I get it. But I also think that a lot of that shit's really expensive, mm-hmm. right? And so you look at Halo versus Ben and Jerry's, and you're not paying eight times more for Halo right. ice cream. That makes sense. But you know, you might pay six bucks a paleo cookie, and man, you could take that money and you know, buy higher quality steak, buy organic vegetables, buy if you want to talk about tasty shit, like buy high quality butter, high quality extra virgin olive oil, like yeah. buy the high quality fats that are, are, you know, really good salts and spices. I just discovered gonna... butter, like high quality butter on the keto and it makes, I put it in my coffee Carry now. Gold, oh my God. Yeah, man. It's so smooth. <laughs> like, and I, I, like, I'm like, I tried regular butter cause I was like, ah, nah, nah don't do it. It's and just like, a high fat content, man. It just, makes it better. It ta- and like, it's creamy too though. Like that's what you miss. And like heavy whip, like I've like done, cause we did the cooking thing and I got carried away. <laughs> I've been like cooking stuff and I got like heavy whip into Alfredo is legit. Also, yeah. <laughs> keep your butter on the fucking counter. I cannot yeah. stand butter in the fridge. Really? No, yeah, dude. dude. It will real? not go ran- Like I, I keep my. The whole wife- point of butter is that it was before refrigerators, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, I so get it. I've got a butter container my wife bought, you know, on Amazon or whatever, and yep. it, it's it's the same shape as like a Kerrygold brick. Yeah, like European butter standard size. Yeah, and it sits, sits in there. I'm and gonna buy you one. As I've a gift had one. the same. <laughs> I've had the same because I use. You know, I put it in the fridge. I think that's just like white dude, trash America. It's ultra move. spreadable. It's like the perfect consistency. I don't put butter on anything in anything. Steaks and coffee. Yeah. What else does it go on? You still shouldn't put it in the fridge. Yeah. Okay. It I mean, won't go fair. rancid. It like it, it can be out there for months and it won't go rancid. Trust me. Once you make this, I switch, was always just worried about it melting. No, it no, just man. it's just perfect. It's like the way the Lord intended. <laughs> That's right. This <laughs> consistency. You're like, oh, okay. This is now what they I were talking see, about. Like, you, you know, you, there's a fetish for everything. There's like people rubbing butter on themselves. <laughs> hey, I'm not talking about a fetish, but hey, are you watching my webcam again? <laughs> for, and for people that do eat bread or other stuff. What is more frustrating than taking that hard chunk of butter and spreading it and just like ripping through a piece of bread? Uh, I actually don't understand why people put butter on cold bread. Like if it's not toasted, why are you bothering? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's what I'm talking about toast, right? Like you, right? So, but that and everybody gold, knows you toast it, then put it on, and then kind of just slide it next to the warm toaster, let that bitch melt a little bit. Yeah. Dude, no, you're, this is going to change your life. Is you it? got your butter, yeah. I like it, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, right. I'm excited for you. It'll faster in my coffee. <laughs> yes. That's, I mean, that'll yeah. be helpful. I'm literally excited for you. I, like, I, pers- I, don't think, I, I don't know if that's going to make me not put my butter in the fridge, though. You have my to wa- try it. My wife I'll try it. is one of those very, um, she doesn't like clutter at all, so right. our kitchen's oh, very, I hate it. our kitchen's very, and there's Clean. very very few appliances on the counter. They're all underneath. I've always been very impressed with how organized your house is. It's got to look like that. It looks cluttered if there's shit on your counter, and then you, everybody bitches about counter space because you've got all that crap on there. But there's yeah. one yeah. thing that my wife is like, this is going to be out, and that's the freaking butter really? container. So, so she's you, sold on butter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Did yeah. you change her or did she already know that? No, she was, I credit her completely. So She's why like, do the stores put butter in refrigerators? It's like, what's well, the same? Is it like a mental well, thing no, that it, people just... People people associate refrigeration with freshness. That's why like organic milk, if you buy it in the store that's in an opaque carton container, yeah. is shelf stable. It's ultra high temperature pasteurized. Sure. So you could throw it. I have like four gallons of milk that's in my basement pantry storage that's just not refrigerated. A year later, I can open that up. If like, oh, I couldn't get to the fridge and like, or get to the store, open it up. It's perfect. The other thing is yeah. that... But they're refrigerated at the store because people won't buy it. Room temperature butter is also really soft. I think from a display and like sales standpoint. Well, just a transportation standpoint, probably. It would be really hard, right? I think that's why people inherently put it in the fridge because they buy it from a fridge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the same thing, when I show people like, like in heavy cream too, like if you buy it that's in the container, all the creams and the whipping creams are ultra high temperature pasteurized, put that in in the cabinet. Like it doesn't need to go in the fridge. So I always have like, you know, a little. Someone's gonna screw one. that up. Listening to the podcast and get chunky black cream, <laughs> <Dude>. softy <laughs> botulism. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I have like always have like one little thing of whipping cream because there's always like, oh man, I needed that for this recipe or something. But I don't use my fridge space for that. I use my fridge space for vegetables and fresh stuff, fruits that need to be hmm. refrigerated. Leave that shit in your pantry, man. Right. Um, another question I have for the meal preppers: How the fuck do you store Tupperware lids? Oh uh, stack like them on top of each other and then put the Tupperware on top of them. I buy the black ones at Costco. Oh, the nice ones. Easy. No, yeah. no, no, they're like 10 bucks for 25 Really? They're the ones you get from the Chinese restaurants. Oh, nice. Same time. So, like, my lids, they all, they're like, if you buy all the same types, the red rubber made ones are super popular. They all just stack on top of each other. Yeah. It's just what people do is they pull them out of the dishwasher and they don't want to take the four seconds to, like, turn them and lay them down and then put the Tupperware on top of them. No, when you have the different sizes, man. Yeah, that's yeah. what you got to throw them all the way. My wife did that too, I had to do this and it hurts because you think about how much you spent on it. Throw all of that shit away and then just pick one brand and type and yep. don't make it glass because you're not going to use it. No. Don't make it the the the, the snap clothes with the, just find one like the Rubbermaid red tops the lightweight or the heavy duty or go to Costco and buy the black and clear ones because we were like, well, I need this one. No, you don't. You'll just put it in this one and different yep. sizes. They're we like, actually recently I... made the switch to all glass and I'm loving it. Oh, man. That's I temporary. Got rid of, I got rid of all my glass. <laughs> next time, next, wait. They we'll, last we'll a lot see. longer. It's, it's been a month. They're just so heavy to it's carry around. Be like, they're heavy. Stay, it doesn't change colors when you store I don't stuff like, in it. I cracked them all. <laughs> just yeah. stacking they, they, them. Or you just stop using them. them because like the, the lid will warp or something won't fit or the glass. Well, like, the lid isn't glass. The no, the, the lid is that rubber, though. Yeah, but you'll see, like, like if it's got the little snap-down wings in the sides, eventually, yeah, that's the one we have. eventually that's going to warp, yep. and then, like, you literally can't get one side shut. So and, then, just, and, like, then, and then and it then doesn't seal, it. or it's part up, so you'll tip it. Dude, I'm with you, man. Hey, the look, red man, top Tupperware. I, that's mostly what I have, but I have a bunch of different ones, and everyone makes fun of me, but if you go to my house, I have baskets for everything. Yes. But every, there's, like, there's the, I have a basket for all my hair products and my beauty products, I swear. So under the counter, I keep... A basket for all the lids and then they're all in one spot and they're just like lined up in this basket super easy an offshoot right. is that since we all have nothing but the red tupperware red top tupperware is that when people come over and like bring like oh we're you having know a party it's not yours you know, yeah it's like that's not mine get yeah. out Imposter. And, and like, Imposter. I'll actually, actually i'll be like hey bro you left this at my house and yeah like, oh thanks you don't and have you look like a good friend and you're not that dirt bag that you don't look like a grandma's got like a collection of like right country crock shit. containers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, and once you do that, and like, it's just like, and people will replace Tupperware slowly over time rather than just all in one. But they'll replace all their pans in one fell swoop. Just 
buy sets, but don't buy buy sizes that you'll use. Like people buy those little itty bitty tiny ones and they use them for condiments for like a week and they're like, never mind, that's stupid. Yeah. Like just be realistic with yourself and like just own it. Like I need something that's gonna hold ten to twelve ounces of food. Yep. That's it. Yep. I could totally agree. All right, so did we get a definitive answer on how long you can do the keto diet? I, I say I recommend it in the bro science world, and that's what I represent, I think. Uh, I do in, like, a responsible, like, I've read a few books type world, six to eight weeks. I mean, you could probably push it to 12, but more than that, and I just, I don't think you're going to get the, the ROI, and it's going to start to wear on your body, like liver, kidney, and, like, your blood work would come into question. Brooke, what are you thinking? Well, see, in my profession, I don't acknowledge it as a, like, a we don't, you know, it's not... Um, we don't acknowledge fad diets, I guess, no, for like I, weight I, loss. I, I tell that so to a I cancer patient. So I honestly couldn't tell you. But um, if you have Super. to eat the diet for a reason, um, then now that's different. Now it's a real diet. But I mean, I'm not totally judging you for doing keto because I feel like you actually know what you're doing. You pay attention to your diet. I'm going to take my shirt off two hours and make me feel a lot better about the keto, <laughs> and, too. Yeah, I mean, it, but you pay attention to it and you do it, I think, in a really yeah, good you know, way. You can't half-ass anything. You, anything. Anytime you ever half-ass something, you're going to put yourself at risk, especially when it's your food intake. But like, I would argue the same for people that do... Any diet. I, I don't argue that being a vegan is irresponsible. I, I would argue that feeding a child a vegan d diet is irresponsible, but there's going to be people to tell me to fuck off. And yeah. like, if science just decides not to acknowledge it under certain circumstances, eh, it's kind of a failure of like what your intent is. I think, like, not judging you, but I think to ignore the bros, the bro, the impact of bro science and the, and like people using it, like, we've already established that people are going to do it even as standards. Crack is fucking dangerous, people. They're gonna <laughs> still use it. So, like, acknowledge it and address it and, like, tell people this is keto, this is how to properly use it. Like, you said, the way I use it's proper, fine. Then, like, tell people if you're gonna do keto, here's a proper way to do it. Yeah. Don't, don't just half smash into it and, you know, fuck yourself up in the process because I would argue anything's dangerous under those those circumstances. It's just so extreme to be so low carb. I would say that about vegans. vegans I would say that about like vegetarians. Oh, no, you I mean, mean like just in general. The, the diet approach in general, like an uh, animal product. Like, okay, bro, but like, you know, milk's like important in like developing children. So. That's why my personal philosophy is more of a balanced approach because I think that we we like we blamed fat for a long time as like fat was horrible yeah. for you well, and we, we demonized one either. thing we didn't demonize saturated versus unsaturated like we just lumped all fats together without acknowledging that you actually need fats and that goes back to like the 80s type stuff when yeah, we set out ago. the food nutrition chart the food people still using that so but that's what fucked that's what fucked us because that's if you look at the food pyramid and then the the, the market's response everything immediately went to low fat and they disregarded types of fats, carbs, and all of that. And then Atkins came in like a hammer and like Krispy Kreme almost went out of business. You remember yeah. that? Like, so, and like people need to stop jumping on the bandwagons. Like I lost 110 pounds in college before what? the military on Atkins low carb, but I cooked fresh meals. I ate salads. It was all like organic meat. I didn't buy candy bars. It said Atkins on them. I, I had protein shakes like just I do now. You, you got to find it how it works in your life. I would never do low carb again. Yeah. I think the key is cooking. I mean, exactly what you said, because when you're cooking, you, you're kind of forced to use real foods, right? Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to cook with... Uh, and measuring and like doing it all. Yeah. Like, it's all together. Like you want to be successful, meal prep. You want to be successful at meal prepping, learn what you should and shouldn't eat. You want to be, you want to, you want to like learn how to like what, what, what fats are good for you. You're going to have to learn the difference between it all. And like, if you're not willing to do that, yeah, sure. Fine. Check the box. Eat rice and chicken. Sustain that for the rest of your life. 
it sucks. Like we made shrimp and 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 rice and or yeah, we made like fifteen little, minutes. Yeah. And that was four meals. That's a that's four lunches. Oh, you can, I mean, you can cook delicious <laughs> shit pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's any question about that. No. There's no mystery or, or magic sauce in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, but like there. people no. go to like I, I, we timed it. By the time a pizza delivery can come, you can cook a dinner. You can you can order food for four. By the time you drive and sit in a, in, in, an, in an outline or a, like a, a popular fast food chain for lunch, you've already killed an hour. So you you add that all up over a day. It takes me five hours to meal prep. We'll say that already saves you your lunches. Never mind the times it's going to take you to cook or wait for pizza. And then look at your budget and the dollars you save. Well, I'm spending. Yeah, I spend four hundred dollars a month in food, but if I went to Chipotle every day or or, or four hundred dollars a week, but I'm eating organic, a lot of, a high volume of meat, red meat, like that's not a normal family diet. Normal family can live off of three hundred bucks a week if they're eating the right foods. Uh, Honestly, even oh, I would argue even less. Than yeah, that. much less. Yeah, I'm talking about for someone that I eat. Oh yeah, like my, I you my, eat a lot. Yeah. Though, yeah. It's just a lot of time and planning and people don't want to put in the work, in my opinion. Um, And I think that a big part of that is it can get really overwhelming. And that's why you just have to seek um, good resources to to start. And it's just a lot of trial and error, like you said, and practice. And ask somebody to do it. Like people are like, well, I don't know how to meal prep. I literally have my I had my mom do this. I've had friends come over and they'll literally watch me meal prep how I because I'm not cooking each individual chicken. I'm not I, I spice a rack of chicken. I spice a rack of ribs. I'll throw that all in there and then I'll throw on my rice. It's all happening simultaneously and people it's overwhelming when you're when the first time I meal prepped it took me like 13 hours because I was like chopping all the chicken I was like putting the beef in I was like there's no fucking way I'm doing this yeah and then I watched a friend do it where they were just throwing it all in and they were baking a lot of things or they were grilling a lot of things or they weren't like and like there will be days where they hand cook their own dinner that night because they're tired of eating everything they'll just it's better fresh so like and, and those are little hints that you pick up by doing it, and you realize what your thresholds are. And until you make those mistakes, you're just going to keep doing the same shit you've always done. Well, in, in American culture has a problem with dealing with failure, and you want to go, you try to meal prep that 13 hour thing, right? Like people are like, "Man, I'm going to get in a meal prep. I'm going to do it." And they sit there and they're terrible at it for the first time because they've never done it before. It takes them eight hours. They're like, "Well, I guess I'm just not a good cook." You know, it's like not oh, I can get better at this or like whatever. It's like, I failed, then off to the next thing. Meal prep's not for me. And I'm like, okay, man, like go up, climb the hill a little bit and you'll get there. When I was coaching, I used to tell people, and we might not even be able to air this, but I used to tell people when they'd get discouraged in one of my gyms or training or they'd fall off their diet. I'd always be like, look, man, nobody fucks like a porn star the first time. And like as crude as that is, it like I go. Remember the first time you lost your. Remember when you lost your virginity? Like this was going there, and you weren't sure if you were doing it right, and like you had no idea how you measured up if it even mattered. Like to her, like you're squeezing. Uh. It's like awkward the first time you have sex, and it's because you just don't know what to expect. You're not good at it, but now yeah. like you're like 35, you're like, all right, bitch, this is how I do it. Like, what are you like? Oh, cool, all right. And everybody's happy five minutes later, dude. Yeah. And it's like science. Like you get married, like 10 years later, you're like, hey, the kids, yeah, bath. 45, okay, we know how that game works. Like, you got it scripted out to like, hey, we have two minutes, we have five minutes, we have a whole, we have a whole night. What do well, we that, do? There's that, pers- that first step to doing anything new that's, that you're unfamiliar with, that first hurdle is the hardest one to get over. I remember the first time I've ever went, and we're, we're talking about nutrition, but the first time I ever went to a gym. You know, I'd never, I'd lifted weights in, uh, like, high school, but it was like, go over here. You know, it was directed, right? You guys win this round robin thing going through this deal. You guys are going to do the overhead press. You're going to do this. 
And then when I was in the military, uh, in the middle of the Q course, um, a buddy of mine was big into weightlifting. He's like, hey, man, you should start coming with me four times a week. Let's go lift. And you walk into a gym, especially a gym that's mostly free weights. You're like, what do I do? Like, what, what's the first step? And it's so intimidating. A lot of people, there, there's a reason why most modern gyms are based around like these lines of Nautilus machines. You know, it's like your Monday line and your Tuesday line, and your Wednesday line, because it takes the thought out of it. It's the intro to getting into like being comfortable at a gym. And like, yeah. I don't understand that discomfort because I walk into any gym in America. And I'm like, <laughs> like, this yeah, is awesome. Exactly. Like other people walk in and I've never actually thought about walking like, oh, shit, like. But at the same time, like I, that's self-imposed. But like, you know I what you're doing, you know. But if you had no idea what a bar, like what muscle groups to work or anything like that, like it's you, yeah, you but see everybody them all the time. starts there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of people, that hump, that hurdle is what drops them off. Yeah, because they they can't go through that. Uh, and same with the nutrition, you know, like a diet or starting anything, starting a new lifestyle change. Because it's really not like Brooke talks about it a lot. Like it's not about dieting; it's about a lifestyle. Right. It's about changing your habits and. Uh, keeping those for the future. And it's really hard to like make that first big change or even small change because it seems intimidating. There's a lot to learn. And really, as you're going up, like one of the first things that happens for me anytime I'm learning something new is the first thing I'll figure out is how much I don't know. You know, like I, I have this mental image of what, what it is. And I see a guy like you doing the strongman thing. And I'm like, all right, well, he like eats well and he works out hard. That's what I need to do. And then as, as you start going down that rabbit hole, you're like, oh, shit. Like, there's a lot to learn here. Uh, and that's really intimidating. I was like, there's way more to this than I thought. Uh, and that's where you got to make that personal decision. Like, this is worth it. Let's keep climbing. Yeah. And don't lose sight. Like, everybody's like, oh, well, I got discouraged. It's like, well, how long did it take you to become good at what you're already good at? Like, I guarantee everybody's like, oh, I'm good at, like, playing the piano. Like, you didn't, like, that, did, yeah. that took more than a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> how about a month? How about three months? Like How about 20 years? People forget like <laughs> fitness is, is, is like, here's the deal. Any diet you start from day one, you're not going to feel different, notice a whole lot of change or anything looking in a mirror for at least six weeks. At least six. You're going to look in a mirror every day for six weeks and you're not going to notice fucking much. Six weeks later, you're going to take your you're going to take your measurements and step on a scale. And then you're going to see the accumulation when you look at your day one to your day, six week, and then you're going to put them side by side, and then you'll see a difference. I think that's the primary reason why the keto diet has become really popular among well, weight yeah, loss people. Because the first, when you first go on it, if you're super aggressive, you drop water weight, and that's true with any diet. Yeah, I would argue but, you drop water weight with eating a balanced approach because you're just going to inherit. I drop seven pounds of water overnight just sleeping. Sure, like it, it gets pissed out, obviously, but like your body and the way your body settles and metal is. That's but see, you see, but you go diet. online and you look at like some of these like uh, keto places, and people talk about losing like 30, 40 pounds I in think like two weeks. So other people hear that and they're like, "Oh, well, the other diets don't have six minute abs," you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, truth, the truth behind the keto and low carb approach, the reason why it's so popular in the fitness industry, is because people in bodybuilding, physique, and 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 and, and uh, like 
those sports like the, the for for aesthetics like they use a lot of low carb approach very late in but what people don't understand is like that's not as they don't use it long term they don't sustain that weight and where they're at they're already unhealthy like nobody's getting on stage in the best shape of their life like that was probably two weeks ago before they started a really hard cut to prep for stage and that's why classic divisions picking up and stuff. People think that that low carb is how they're going to jumpstart or they're going to sustain that. And that's not. Athletes don't use it. Like nobody, anybody that's like living keto on Instagram is probably full of shit. <laughs> like anybody that's living low carb, you're telling me every day 365. No, they're probably full of shit because once or twice a month they eat whatever they want or they have pizza and they refeed. So really, they're just eating all of their carbs in two or three meals a month rather than little amounts every day. Are you saying Instagram's a lie? <laughs> no, no, I hope not because like I got all kinds of shit going on right now. I mean, it's all bullshit. Like the real, that's the real talk of it. It's all bullshit. And like, there's gonna be people that want to like get famous and argue, but the truth of it all is nobody's, nobody's living that 24 seven. I don't care if it's who it is or what they're, no one's doing it 20. Now they might do it 24 seven for three or four weeks or a month, but they're not 24 seven, 365, unless they're vegan or vegetarian. And you know what? That's probably like a moral or like some kind of political, like I'm talking about general fitness. Like no one's coming to me and saying I'm vegan and I'm generally fit because I'm going to show you like the handful of people that are vegans doing it successfully. And I'm going to show you the millions of people that are doing it successfully other ways. And you're not going to sell me on it. I see the uh, future Derek Carver fitness DVD set <laughs> entitled you're full of shit. <laughs> Nobody would buy it because I'd just be regurgitating common sense. Like everything in moderation. I mean, it do well. <laughs> I want to circle back to something you said, because I think that I like, we need to really highlight this that, when you're actually an athlete, you're really only taking this low carb or super restrictive approach at the end of a diet when you're getting close to your goal. And I think that that's really important for people to realize because it's going to affect your performance. And obviously, like right now, you're injured. it didn't injured, get them there. It didn't get them there. Exactly. That's what that's it's like the final piece of the right. puzzle because it when is so restrictive. When you your goal, are you talking about simply aesthetically or? Uh, well, for a lot of people, it's aesthetic or it's weight-based. And you see that mm -hmm. a lot. Even if you're a, an Olympic lifter and you have to make weight. like if Wrestlers that, cut weight. Yeah. Like there's, that would be the final piece because you're going to shed all the water weight and like we're going to manipulate your macros down and things like that. And there's people that, and like, and I would even argue, and there's a lot of, I know a pro bodybuilder in California that's vegan that does it very successfully. He's an anomaly in my opinion. I am built. You can look him up. But he's also not pushing that on to other people saying this works for everybody. He's saying let's find out what works for you. Yeah. And Speaking of that, I want to, I don't want to cut you off, but no, I do want to hear Brooke. I go off on a rant sometimes. It's all, I love your rants. That's why you're here. I want to hear Brooke talk about the elimination diet because I know you tried it recently. And, you know, discuss that with, you know, food sensitivity. Is that bullshit? Is it not bullshit? What did you learn about the elimination diet? Is that a temporary thing? And what should people be doing to kind of figure out how to make themselves feel better? Yeah, so I started researching elimination diets because I started having all kinds of gut health issues myself that I was not used to. I felt like a balloon animal. That's how I describe it to people. Um, and of course, I went to an MD and I you yeah, I done my getting, research. Like, getting bloated. Uh, yeah, well, stomach pain. I was having like mm -hmm. really intense stomach pain and bloating and GI upset. And I'm going and I'm, I'm t I told this doctor like, hey, I'm a registered dietitian. I think this is the problem. I think I'm going to do an elimination diet. I think this is the path I'm going to take. And she looks at me dead in the face and was like, have you tried Gas-X? 
I'm like, what? are you not hearing what I'm saying? There's an underlying <laughs> problem right. that are causing these symptoms. Treat the cause, not the symptom. And I think that's the problem Here's with a lot of America. Yeah. Uh, we're I'm, over I'm medicated in that sense. What should I do? Here's some band-aids. <laughs> That's literally what it was like. I got so mad. I left that office and was like, I'm never coming back here again and certainly haven't. So I ended up choosing an elimination diet and I researched a bunch of different ones and they're all pretty much the same. You're eliminating the main allergens like wheat, soy, corn, um, dairy. A lot of them will do tree nuts and fish, legumes, things like that. Um, I ended up choosing to follow the Whole30, which is super restrictive but I liked that it had um, a lot of recipes because it's now a commercial fad diet so I chose to do the whole 30 and then the whole 30 Bill and I talked about this restricts things like carrageenan and that aren't really there's no research to prove that that causes inflammation of the gut or problems or reactions but you know it was easier for me to pick up the whole 30 sticker on the almond milk and and know that I was in the clear. Mm-hmm. So I did an elimination diet for 30 days. Typically it's three to four weeks. I guess I only made it 28 days. I lied. I made it 28 days and then I had to have a glass of wine. <laughs> 28 days is four weeks. Yeah. 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 Four weeks. So exactly I made it. I didn't do the whole 30. I made, I was to two days shy, but <laughs> carry the one. <laughs> but, um, I eliminated all these things and pretty immediately within a week, um, felt so much better by the end of it I didn't weigh myself throughout it but by the end of it I had lost 10 pounds and was starting to feel myself again and all these symptoms went away and so then at the end of an elimination diet which is where people usually go wrong they just think oh I eliminate all this stuff and it's better you're supposed to control reintroduce foods Mm -hmm. so um if I I started with wine um and alcohol is one of the things you (laughs) restrict (laughs) so like you have this one thing um so you would just reincorporate the wheat with the gluten for a lot of people and then you would wait and see how your body responds and then you need to wait if that causes symptoms for about three days to reintroduce another food so it's a very controlled do you way. eat it every day for those three days no it's usually just like 24 hours All right. it's very it's hard sometimes to find ways to incorporate one thing and not another because they put so much crap together and processed foods but um so then then you kind of Note how your body responses. Wait till any of those symptoms subside, if you have any, and then reintroduce the next food. Um, thankfully, like legumes and everything was fine, but when it came to um, gluten and processed grains, it was a no-go. That was causing stomach pain for me. Um, and then dairy was the other one, which is really depressing because I love cheese. But um, one of the things that I think I also noticed was it's not all wheat, that bothers me. I like to eat wheat berries. We were talking about this the other day, mm-hmm. which is more of a whole, it's the wheat plant really before it's been processed. Um, and that makes a difference for me. So I think, and I'm actually responding to the way foods are processed more than anything. And if you think about what we eat in America, and if you walk into a grocery store, most of the grocery store is colorful boxes and bags that are perfectly marketed to you. Um, and it's just, I think that's the problem more than anything for me personally. Um, dairy, I think, is just an unfortunate part of aging. I'm losing the lactase enzyme, which happens to a lot of people. But How old are you? Um, 28. So just I went through a phase where I was super, super like uh, sensitive to like gluten. Like I was on that train for a little while, and I legit went to the doctors and went through the allergy things like, saw professionals and did the elimination thing and it was gluten. They're like, you gotta stay away from gluten. And I did for like two years. 
three years. And then I, you know, would have it here and there. I'd have some issues. And eventually the issues just would never flare back up. And then, uh, and then for the first time in my life, I realized I was allergic to grass. So, like, people, like, what people don't understand is their allergies and the, and the way their body responds to elements and chemicals and, and plants in the world changes every seven to, like, eight years. Your body kind of recalibrates itself. So, like, just because you can't, just because it was this way one time in your life doesn't mean it's that way 14, 7, 10 years later in your life. So, like, I think it's a natural part of life. Like, I kind of cut dairy out when it started screwing with me in my late 20s now. I'm, in my mid thirties, and I kind of cut out most of the processed, like you said, most processed foods and wheats, and now it's just natural or non-processed that kind of fit in, and it's no issues. Yeah, you're supposed to do elimination diets periodically for that exact reason. Yeah. It does change. So, and I mean, I'd never had problems until maybe six months ago, yep. and it was when I moved and I was eating out a lot. So my like theory is, right I just the like time you started it softly. <laughs> I think I just got really excited about all the great food here and ate out way too much, and my body was not used to that and not having it, and it was just like too much processed stuff. I think. Well. How often would you recommend that people do that then? Uh, hardcore people recommend every year, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know if I would do that. That's a, that's a lot for like a whole month. And do you to, think if people aren't, aren't feeling bad, should they check it out anyway? Or is it more just kind of... I, I honestly wouldn't because it's hard to eliminate all these things and then to reintroduce properly is hard. And so that's like two months out of tw you know 12 months. I think that's like overkill. Sure. So unless you're having a problem, I don't know if I would necessarily do it. And I would maybe do it every couple of years. I'd do it every time you have a problem. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to do something if you don't have a problem. Like It's not like you're getting your blood work and they're going to be like, oh shit, this wasn't there. Like You're going to know if cheese causes a side to lump out. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's a new development, <laughs> right? Like the whole January whole thirty thing. Get like this that's giant lump on my side every time I eat cheese. Yeah, I eat cheese. It just started happening when I started eating cheese, dog. I don't know what's going on. If only it were that simple. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we got to wrap it up here. But uh, Derek, thanks for joining us today. No, I we always appreciate as much it. As possible. Looking forward to doing this more frequently. And uh, Brooke, thanks for the insight as always. Yeah. Coming at you live from Softly HQ, or maybe not so live on the podcast, live right now, living in the moment. I mean, we're all here. We'll catch you <laughs> next week. <laughs>